What a morning, eh? I don't just love Baptists, I love hearing the testimonies. It's really good. You know, they, uh, Aram and him were at our house a few weeks ago sharing the extended version of their testimonies. It was great. And it was just exciting hearing it again the second time. It's a fantastic. So if you get a chance at some stage before they go to Singapore, which is happening eventually, um, ask, them how they, ask them about their journey of faith. It's a very good story. So... Oh, they, they, oh, I keep forgetting about this. Thank you very much. I will build my church. Is what the Lord said. I will build my church. Matthew 16, chapter 16, verse 18. And so we're continuing in the doctrinal series. It's the church. Number 10 and 11 on your sheet. Now, the first occurrence in the New Testament of the word church is found in that statement that I've just exclaimed. I will build my church. Now, you and I sort of might have a clue about what that means, but the people that heard it then, it's completely new to them. You see, that's the first time the word ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church, uh, was used and it means a called out assembly. It's where we get our English word ecclesiastical from. And now, today, it means things about church, you know, clerical things. In the New Testament, the word church is mentioned 114 times. It's mentioned in two aspects. One, the universal church, you know, the church out there, and then the local church. Now, out of 114 times, it's mentioned uh, the universal church, you know, which you would think would be very important, is mentioned 24 times. Who's good at maths? How many times are left? 114. Sorry? Thank you very much, Con. So 90 references in the New Testament talks about the church like this one, the local church. Isn't that interesting? Wouldn't you think that it would be more about the big organisational structure, you know, the church out there in the world? But no. I will build my church, the Lord says, and there are 90 references about the local church. Now, there's a thing called the law of first mention. Now, that's just a very simple way of studying the Bible. And the law of first mention is looking at a law or a rule uh, that occurs in the Bible where it happens or where it's mentioned the first time. And the reason for that is that the word or the doctrine is in its simplest form usually, and the, the doctrines are usually built from that first mention, you know. So it's the simplest uh, and clearest presentation of the word or the doctrine, and then the teaching is built on that. So Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church. It doesn't get any simpler than that, does it? Hey? It's, so who said it? Well, 
It's written in red in my Bible, so that means the Lord said it. I will build my church. Who will do it? He will do it. He will build. He will build. And whose church is it? Very simple. My church, the Lord said. Now, if you were here about a year ago, you would have heard that uh, I had that wrong, didn't I? I had that wrong. I used to think it was my church. No. The Lord said he will build his church, my church. So if the Lord is building his church, he has to have a plan, a design. Yes, absolutely. You can't build anything without a design. And the doctrinal statement here that we have here at Monty that we're looking at, and I've lost my bit of paper, uh, we, we have... We have it defined, and it's written. It's written. Uh, let me just find my piece of paper here. Here it is. I've circled all these words because in our doctrinal statement, it's very long about the church. A lot of Bible references. That's why it's not up on the screen. But I've circled a whole heap of words, and the first one I've circled is the word universal. Because what does that mean? It means that all the people who make the same confession as Peter did when this event occurred, when the Lord said, who do people say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When you make that confession, you're a believer, just like we've heard about Aaron and Aram and Hema this morning, who genuinely repent of their sins like we read about in Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, the people who what? Who repented and believed in Jesus Christ became part of the universal church. And the universal church um, followed the doctrines that are laid out in the scriptures until the Lord's return. And Josh is going to tell us a lot about that next week. So that's the universal church. Important, it's interesting, it's fundamental. But, you know, it's only mentioned 24 times. The local church, wow. The local church is the expression of how the church was to live out the concepts that the Lord had set down. And that's why it's really important for you and me this morning. The local church, some of the characteristics that we've got in our doctrinal statement tells us that it's, a, it's, it's accessible to all who believe. So we have went through the series of Acts, didn't we, just recently? And what did we see? There were little churches everywhere that the apostles went. They started churches. They went, they went to different places uh, in, 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 the, uh, in the Middle East there and they established churches and those churches were made up of the local people. Boy, Raph, you're so simple, you know. That's so basic. But that's the plan, you see. That was the plan that the Lord had. Simple plan. And the characteristics of, of the local church were for practical fellowship, like we, we, we read this morning. And we're going to do that this afternoon. You know, we're going to have lunch. That's fellowship. For growth. So that people can study God's word and grow and develop and become more like Christ. And we, we've seen that even this morning. The, the, the few years that uh, Aram and Hannah have been here with us, they have grown. I have grown since I've been here. And I hope everyone can say the same thing. 
that as they've attended this local church, that they've grown in their faith, they've grown in their maturity, grown in their love for the Lord. That's what the local church is for. And for ministering, for the teaching, for teaching us the things of God. The local church also is there to to respond. It's not all about us. It's not all about what we can get out of the church. What are we called? The Montmorency Community Church. We're in a community, aren't we not? So we're to respond to the various needs in the community as well. We're to have compassion for for our neighbours. And by that I mean the people that live in our community. Because that's what the Lord did, didn't he? He had compassion for the people that lived round about. We're to care for them, to love them and care for them, and wherever possible, to practically help them. And hopefully we're doing that. And, and hopefully in a few weeks you'll hear more about how we can do this a little bit better than we have been doing it as well. But all the while, being the Lord's church in, in uh, Ephesus or Colossae or Corinth, Corinth as you read, and in Montmorency and all the while, all the churches were called to be obedient to the teachings of Christ the Lord, the head of the church, no exceptions. That's the characteristic of the local church. Now the next word I, I had circled was, there was there's local, the next word is autonomous. Oh, autonomous, that's a big word. I looked it up. Autonomous means self-governing, a self-governing community, independent, not subject to control from outside. That's what it means, the word autonomous. It doesn't mean do as you like. It doesn't mean that. Ephesians 4 talks about us being one body, one spirit. We have one Lord, one head. We are united with the other church, other local churches in the universal church, but we don't do as we like. You see, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it also talks about the fact that we have a head of our church, the head of Montmorency Community Church. It's not the elders, it's Christ. He's the head. We are answerable to a head. We have rules and laws or commands, teachings, whatever you like to call them, that we have to follow and obey. But they're the Lord's commands, rules and teachings. We have a, we have a body that rules over us in a local sense. Again, this was also given to us by the Lord, part of the plan. And that body is a leadership made up of elders uh, and it was established by Jesus Christ. I love the way the word, we, we were looking at it in our home group just recently, we were studying uh, First, Second Timothy and Titus. In, in, we, we saw in Titus chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 how Paul instructed the 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 uh, the people that went out to appoint elders in every town wherever they preached the gospel and a little local church was established paul said make sure before you leave appoint elders 
Every town, very clear. In First Peter chapter five, verses one to four, it talks about. Peter says, now every local church has shepherds, with an S at the end as well at the start. Shepherds, who who oversee and watch and care for the flock, the local church, and who are to lead by example, so that they can follow. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well, so you can see the plan. So this is the plan the Lord had for his church. I'm going to show you something here. Hopefully I can get this to work all right. There we go. Anyone know what that building is? Oh, come on. Very famous building. It's in England. Sorry? It's St Paul's Cathedral. Have a look at that. What an amazing building. Eh? You thought you thought we had a good building. A lot of people think that a church is a building, and it's not. It's the church building, not the church. Why am I showing you this? I'll just give you some info about this. Okay, so I've lost that bit of paper as well. All right. Let's see if I can remember what I had written down. It's, um, it was built, oh, yeah, it was built. We would say it was built by, there it is, there's the bit of paper, that blue bit of paper that's sitting on my seat. It was built by Sir Christopher Wren. But you know, you have a look at that, that, that building. Thank you very much, Aaron. I know, I'm getting old. I need my bit of paper. Thank you. Thank you very much. I knew it was there. It was built 1675 and it took 40 years to build it. Its length is 158 metres. Its height is 111 metres. That's a lot of scaffolding. Its width it has a, a different places, different, different widths. At one place it's 73. 37 metres wide and another place, the main, the main hall area is, is 75 metres wide. The dome is 85 metres high, that's on top of the building, you know, on the dome part and the diameter is 34 metres wide. Look at all that paint work, look at all that ornate work, the, the, the iron work and the furniture that's in there. Unbelievable, isn't it? Eh? Christopher, Sir Christopher Wren didn't lay a brick, didn't lift a paintbrush, <laughs> yet we say he built it. He designed it. He was the architect. He thought about all that stuff that goes in that building. Mag- magnificent building, isn't it? Eh? The Lord said, I will build my church. You know, we don't have a hierarchy like those people up there. I'll just go back to the. I don't want you to get distracted by the building. We don't have a hierarchy that tells us what to do or an external governing body. We don't. We don't have a synod or a general assembly. We don't have a mother church, you know, or a fancy dressed man to tell us what to do. We don't have an Archbishop of Canterbury or any other place for that matter. We don't have anything like that. We have no outside group directing or governing this little place here at Montmorency. That is the plan 
that the Lord had. Now, I have to say this because we have been challenged. There's a leadership. We have been challenged. What about triple C that or C? What about C that? Don't they tell us what to do? Don't we have to do what they say? I've got lots of bits of paper here. I'm I'm, going to read you something. Here it is. I got this communication on the 16th of June from CVAP because I'm the, the marriage celebrant here and we've had to do different things because of that. Anyway, it says here, the summary of CVAP decision to change the name under which we solemnise marriages. This is how they open up this document. The Christian brethren are a movement of churches with a common heritage who are autonomous in structure and are locally led by a this is a hard word for me to say, plurality of elders. As such, we have maintained our relationship as a corporate body by association and fellowship, not via structures or organisations. We have not registered or maintained any legal entities that define us as a distinct movement of local church. Instead, to allow us to hold funds and do corporate activities, we farm out these responsibilities out to para church ministries who act on our behalf providing services to our family of churches. Such groups include Triple C Australia, AMT, Emmaus, GLO, Stewards, etc., who all support the network of churches in various ways, but who are distinct from the from and government and governed independently of our churches. I loved that. I was so encouraged that they opened up that with with, because it was quite interesting what they had to say afterwards. So they're just an association, a group who who are trying to help other little churches like this, other brethren churches, to strengthen them, to help them preach the gospel, to encourage each other. They provide support when needed, when needed. Now, for example, we we had a bit of an issue a little while ago and someone suggested that maybe we should contact CVAT to help us. And, and, and we know David Ray came and he was here with us and, you know, all the rest of it. He helped us out. But he was invited by us. Do you know that? Nobody sent him. He didn't come because, oh, I hear Monty's having a difficult time. He was invited by the church leadership to come and help us. When was the last time you saw David Wright? Have a think. When was the last time you saw David Wright in this church? You might have seen him for a copy or something. Well, I'll tell you when it was. David Braid, he was, was here for the last time when the new leadership of this church was established. Do you remember that? Yeah, we, we, we had elders and we voted ministry leaders in and leadership council members in, and David was here then. He hasn't been back since. In fact, we've had no contact with CVAT since. So they're not, a, they're not an organisation that comes and tells us what to do. They're just a, a, a support mechanism for the local churches. You know, our leadership group, which consists of elders, deacons and ministry leaders, are at the moment looking at how this church, Montmorency Community Church, you and I will honour, worship and serve the Lord in Monty. Nobody else, just us. We get all the credit and all the complaints. <laughs> it's just us. That's the Lord's plan. That's how he planned it. Who said it? The Lord said it. Who will do it? The Lord will do it. Whose church is it? It's the Lord's church. Now we come to the 
the hard part. How is he going to do it? How is the Lord going to build his church? Well, foundation is Calvary and the gospel. We've heard that already today. That's what the Lord came to do. He came to set the foundation of his church. He died at at Calvary on the cross to provide a new way to have a relationship with God. A new way that will last forever. In fact, it will be talked about in heaven for all of eternity. The gospel, the good news, is what the, the, the church is commissioned by the head to go out and to preach and to tell people about it and to help them to understand. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 15:20, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not build on someone else's foundation. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11 it says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid which is Christ Jesus. Paul said that as well. So the Lord, when he was here, he died, he set the foundation for the church. So who's doing the building? Well, you know, the Lord used a lot of subbies, a lot of subcontractors. That's how he does it. You know, he set the foundation and now he's using subcontractors. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 says, The man who plants and the man who waters have one common purpose. Verse 9, For we are all God's fellow workers. On a building site, you get the bricky come in, he lays the bricks. The plumber comes in, he puts in the pipes, charges you a lot for that. The electrician comes, does the wiring, The window man comes, he puts in the windows. The carpenter comes in, he puts in the skirting, the doors. You know, there's a lot of people working on the building. And usually the builder is a company and they've got an office in town there in air conditioning while we're in the mud and in the heat and in the wet. They're called subcontractors. They're doing the work. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 it talks about the, the subbies and, he, and, the, and it says to each one, so he, but each one should be careful how he builds because the building work will be tested to see what sort of quality it is, what sort of, you know, what, the way it was done, was it done right? Be careful how we build. What about the materials? You know, we're talking about the local church. So what sort of materials is used? Well, in the universal church, uh, it's built with living stones because the foundation is also a living stone. That's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And it says in, in, uh, in that verse, it says, You also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house. So we've got living stones for the universal church. That's why... Every Christian in the world is precious to the Lord. They're a living stone in his universal church. But what about the local church? What about this little church here at Monty? Well, the Lord says about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. 
it says that various materials of different value are used. It says if any man or woman builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or stubble or straw. So you can see that the Lord had a plan for the church. He was the builder. He was overseeing, just like Christopher Wren. He had a plan. He had details for everything in that church at St Paul's Cathedral. The colours, the quality of material, everything. Sort of tiles, you know. I, I do a lot of bathroom windows. And the, the anguish that people go over choosing wall tiles and floor tiles. Christopher Wren had all those details worked out. He knew exactly what he wanted. And he instructed the people, the builders, the subcontractors, the glaziers, you know, the, the stonemasons, the painters, instructed them exactly what it had to be done. And when you get a building plan, you get an overall plan, and it says, you know, this is what it should look like when it's finished. Then you get all the other pieces of paper, all the other sheets with details and details and details, all sorts of things, right down to the very fine details, the sort of door handles we want. You know? Everything is detailed. So in the end, the building that's built looks exactly like what the person who designed it and wanted it built like ends up like that. That's in theory anyway. So, I don't want to leave now. We've only got a few minutes left. But I want you to leave just thinking, oh, that's nice, Raph. You've told us about the church. I have to give you an application. You see, it's not just a doctrine. It's not just a statement on a piece of paper to be put away in your drawer somewhere. You know what it actually is? It's a mission. It's a mission. The the Lord gave us not a doctrine, not a statement. He gave us a mission. I've looked up what that word means. A mission is the business or activity with which such a group is charged. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Ascending or being sent for some duty or for some purpose. It's not just a statement, is it? Because when the Lord said, I will build my church, while he did state that, it was a mission. That's what the mission is, to build the church of Jesus Christ. And you and I are the subcontractors. We're the ones that have to help build. Build a church that will grow and glorify. And quite often you hear this little phrase, oh, how do you do church at Monty? Or how do you do church in Franks? Or how do you do church? What does that mean? How do, we, how do we do church? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 says, Listen listen to these verses. See if you can pick up some phrases that have already been mentioned in Scripture. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, and you could put a bracket there, builders, but as wise, bracket again, builders, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now I was thinking when I read that, I was thinking about Matthew 7 and Luke 6 where it talks about the wise and unwise man who built houses. You know, you don't want to be an unwise builder, do you? No. And that's what that little verse says. Not as unwise, but as wise builders, 
making the most of every opportunity. In Colossians 4 and 5 is another, is another phrase, which I hope you'll pick up, which is very, very important. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, I'm not very good at PowerPoint. I was hoping to have that, that little phrase up on the screen, but I haven't got it. So has anyone picked up the two phrases that are the same in those two verses? Sorry? Yeah, that's one, but that's not the one I want to, want to leave you with. Here it is. Make the most of every opportunity. That's the application for our mission. To make the most of every opportunity. Both verses talk about that. Why? Because the days are evil. And we have to help the people outside by making the most of every opportunity. So what opportunities has the Lord given you? It doesn't matter how old you are what age you are, what gender you are, or occupation you have. We can all help build the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to say that I have not always taken every opportunity. The last few years, these, these, two, these two verses have challenged me to take every opportunity, every single opportunity that I get. Now, I did that on uh, Thursday. I started a new job on Thursday. The lady offered me a coffee. Of course, I accepted. I'm Italian. I drink coffee all the time. And the first chance I got, I said to her, and, you know, at my church, da 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 and I mentioned it two or three times in conversation, that she knows I go to church. Sometimes that's all you have to do. I had a friend a few years ago. He says, oh, Rafa, I struggled to be able to witness. I don't, nobody asked me. I said, no, this is what you do. Get yourself a Christian book, something with the word Jesus written on it. Read it in the lunchroom. See what happens. You know what? He actually did, took, my, took me up on it. He did that. And, and I, I met him a few, years, a few months later. He says, Rafa, I cannot believe it. They came up to me and said, what are you reading? So I told him what I read. And he said, let's start a conversation. And our brother Rob, up the back there, he was reading that little booklet at work. And people ask him about it. You, they're the opportunities. You don't have to make them yourself. They happen. The Lord gives you opportunities because he wants his church to be built. That's also part of the plan. Have you taken those opportunities? Have you really taken those opportunities? I have to confess, and I do a lot of that up here lately, I haven't always taken the opportunity. Sometimes I thought, oh, gee, that's a hard question they've asked me. I don't think I can answer that. I won't say anything. Or here's an opportunity. You know, I, I know that this lady's going to say to me, how was your weekend? Because they, they always ask me that on Monday. If I see the client, they say, how was your weekend? Yeah, good. What did you do on the weekend? Not much. But you know what I'm going to tell them? I, my osteo. I went to the osteo on Friday. He says to me, he says, got much on the weekend, Rafa? I said, yeah, I'm pretty busy. I'm preaching on Sunday. Now, he knows that I preach because I've already talked. But just little things like that. That's all it takes to create an opportunity. Take the most of every opportunity that you get. I'm getting better at it. I am. I'm getting better at it. I want to leave you with this question. 
will you look for the opportunity to help build the Lord's church that he's going to provide for you this week? Will you do that? Because it's important. It really is important. I was also supposed to talk about the, the two ordinances. I haven't got the time, but I don't think I have to. I think we've, we, we, we have done the ordinances this morning. And Aaron and Emma did a terrific job explaining to us what baptism means. So I don't have to say any more. And the best thing about the Lord's Supper, which I appreciate, is that we only do it until he comes. Then it's gone. So maybe this is the last time we had to do this. So think about the church. The Lord said, I will build my church And he intends every single one of us to be on that building site doing our little bit. Now, I have to close in prayer. But before that, I also have to remind you, there's lunch on. So don't rush off. We've got lunch on happening uh, in the the, um, youth hall. Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again this morning for the opportunity to witness this wonderful uh, testimony of, of faith that Aram and Hema have uh, shared with us this morning. What a testimony, Father, these two people have. And we just thank you uh, for them, for the, the love they have for you and the, the courage that they have displayed uh, over the, the years to uh, develop their faith. And uh, we just uh, see the, the culmination of that here this morning in the public testimony of their love for you and their desire to follow you and honour you and glorify you through their lives. So, Father, I thank you for that. And, Father, they, they are part of the church. They are part of the universal church and they're part of our local church here at Montmorency. And, Father, I thank you for uh, this wonderful organism that you have, um, have provided, a living church that grows as people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father, I pray that you would help us to see the opportunities that are presented before us in the incoming week to be able to tell people about the gospel, about the Lord Jesus, about the love that he had for us by dying for us on the cross at Calvary. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be reminded of these things this morning. And uh, I just would pray that you would bless us as we have some fellowship together uh, uh, today. And I would also take this opportunity, Father, to thank you for the food and the people that have provided for us and ask that you would bless that to us as well. In the Saviour's name we pray these things. Amen.